0: Hello, City First Church family and everyone joining us online. I want to give a quick shout out to our locations, even though I realize right now we're not meeting in person, but I still want to take a moment and recognize everyone that normally joins us at the City First Church location at Spring Creek as well as Cape Coral, as well as Line, and our friends at God Behind Bars at Dixon and Hardy, and obviously everyone that is joining us right now, literally around the nation and even around the world. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of City First. Now, if it is your first time with us, and we say this every week because every week we have first-time guests, I want to just say welcome on behalf of Jen and myself. We say this as a church. We're not just a friendly church we are a family church. So welcome to the church family of City First. And uh, we are excited about you being here today. Now, I don't know if any of you feel this way, but it seems like this quarantine season is really dragging on. And in the classic movie Sandlot, I think it's stated best when they said forever, right? It feels like forever. It reminds me of when my two oldest boys were younger and we as a family would go on a vacation together in the car on a long road trip. And about an hour into the trip, all of a sudden I'd hear their little voices in the back seat. They would say, are we there yet? You did this too, right? I mean, especially those trips that were pretty long, you would soon look at your mom or your dad or whoever's driving and say, are we there yet? And they would answer back, Oh, we'll be there soon, honey. And then a couple of minutes later, you were anxious. And so you asked again, are we there yet? And mom's voice would answer back, you know, I told you we still have a little ways to go. And then a few minutes later, curiosity was killing you. When were you going to be there? When were you going to get to the destination? And so you asked, are we there yet? And mom, this time, turned around with a little bit more of a firmer voice and said, if you ask that one more time, so help me, God, I'm going to pull this car over and we're going to. Fill in the blank, all right? Well, you know what? Thank God that he is not like our mom. What do I mean by that? Well, you know what? I believe there's literally millions and millions and millions of people right now that every single day are asking God this question, are we there yet? Is this thing almost over? Are we going to go back to normal? And yet, I believe this, God is patiently answering us that we still have a little ways to go. You know, God didn't create this crisis, but he is definitely working in it. In fact, God will never waste a crisis. Do you hear that? Today, I want to talk out of Romans chapter 8, and I want to talk about verses 26 through 28. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open that up. Otherwise, we will have the verses on the screen. But it says in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome, who, by the way, they are underneath persecution as this is being written. They are not living a comfortable life. In many ways, they're quarantined. They have to worship in their homes because it was illegal at this point as Christians to worship in public. And so Paul is writing them, and he says this, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, and some of us are there, we're tired in the waiting, right? God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. In essence, he knows our pregnant condition. He keeps us present before God. Now, this is the point I want you to really listen to this sentence that he writes, all right? That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. It's worked into something good. Some of you are feeling worked right now, right? Like, like literally the crisis is working you over. Well, I want you to know that what is working you over is going to be worked into God's good eventually. Good can come out of bad seasons. God will make sure of it. Now, let's be honest here for a second. Not everything that happens to us is good. Sickness is not good. I mean, a layoff is not good. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, that's not good. A loss of a loved one, that's definitely not good. This whole crisis is not good. But guess what? God will do something miraculous, supernatural, in these seasons like what we're in. He takes bad things and combines them together in his redeeming power and creates something that is ultimately good. It's kind of like this that all of you are familiar with, table salt. You know, table salt is made out of sodium and chloride. These are two elements that by themselves can be toxic to the human body. In other words, alone, they're bad. But when you combine them together, this this combination makes what we call table salt and brings flavor to our food. That's exactly what God does. He takes things that sometimes are bad, sometimes are toxic to our spiritual souls, things that maybe create pain or hurt or circumstances that are out of our control. And he takes these things and combines them together and he creates something that is good. You know, 3,000 years ago, a group of people called the Sumerians lived in a place called Mesopotamia. Now, Mesopotamia is modern day Iraq. And what happened 3,000 years ago is they created an art that we still use 3,000 years later what they would do is they would take broken pieces of glass or broken pieces of stone that in themselves are quite worthless but they would take all of these broken sharp pieces and combine them together and arrange them to create art and we now call that a mosaic in fact You've probably seen a mosaic before. It looks something like this. Now, what makes a mosaic so amazing is that this art or picture itself is made up of broken pieces. Each of the pieces are ugly by themselves. Each of them could be sharp. There's no real value in each individual piece, but when the artist brings all of these broken pieces together, the master artist creates something that is beautiful. It is the same way in your life and in mine. When God brings the pain and the hurt and the sickness and the loss and all the things that have no value in themselves. In other words, they, they aren't very pleasant in and of themselves. When he brings them all together, he can create something that is beautiful. He is the one that can take all of our broken pieces and supernaturally create something that is good. That's why the Bible says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Have you ever experienced this before? Have you ever experienced a season of confusion or loss maybe brokenness or pain, only to discover once you got to the other side of it that there was some good that came out of it? Now, that doesn't mean you'd ever wanna live through it again. It doesn't mean that you wanna experience it again, but you know what? God had created good out of it. Now, you may not have even acknowledged that it was God doing it, but God was taking those broken situations and bringing them together and creating something that is beautiful on the other side. You know, let's look at that verse again, but let's take a moment and look at it in a different version of the Bible. Romans 8.28 says this in the New Living, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know what? We can be confident that God will bring good out of this situation and every bad situation. In other words, God's promise is certain. I love what Paul said. Paul, when he was writing this letter to the Romans, he started this verse saying, and we know, like he was confident in it. He was certain. In fact, he was assuming that those reading his letter would also agree with him that they are certain that God will bring good out of this situation. You know what? It Reminds me of a story of Paxton, who's my eight-year-old, and many times we we talk about him um, because he is an amazing gift. I have three great boys. Paxton is eight years old. He was born with Down syndrome, and he loves more than anything in life to ride in dad's pickup truck. So during this quarantine season he's getting a little stir crazy inside and so what we started to do weeks ago is we started a tradition that every day at the end of the day after work I would take him in a ride in my pickup truck and and he thinks it's the best thing in the entire world in fact you know what? One day, I took him in the pickup truck, and I went to go get a car wash. Now, I'll tell you, when I got a car wash, it made the whole event, the whole experience, go to the next level. Not only was he in Dad's pickup truck, but now we're going through a car wash. And so now he expects us to go to the car wash every day. Uh, he thinks it's the best thing in the world. Watch this. This is our daily ritual. has to take a uh, ride in the truck and many times we go to just get a car wash this is the cleanest truck in all the land are we in the truck pretty amazing i promise you i have the cleanest truck in all of america right now well what is my point my point is this is that each day paxton wants to go for a ride in my pickup truck. And he asks me every single day, multiple times through the day. Normally, I'm working in my home office. I'm on a phone call. I'm on a Zoom call. And he'll come in and he'll say, truck, truck. And I'll look at him and I'll be like, hey, buddy, I'll take you a little bit later. At the end of the day, I'll take you for a ride in the truck. A few moments goes by. He comes back into the office. Truck, truck. He's so desperately wants to get in the truck. You know what I discovered is that when dad promises him something, he believes me. Now, listen closely to that, City First. When dad promises him a ride in the truck, he is sure, he is confident, he is certain that he's going to get a ride in the truck. In fact, he reminds me of my word often throughout the day. That reminds me also of how we should interact with our Heavenly Father. In other words, if God promises it in His Word, it is going to happen. You got to hold on to that promise. In fact, it is even okay to remind God of the promises that He's made. Oh, don't get me wrong, He hasn't forgotten His promise, but you know what? When we remind God of His promise, it reminds us that He will fulfill His promise. We must hold on to it. I love what Paul said. And we know that God is going to work it for good. Not and we think, not even and we hope, but and we know. There is a certainty. God's promise for you is yes and amen. The word amen means so be it. In other words, God promises that he's going to sustain you. He's going to protect you. He's going to carry you through this crisis, which means you can trust him at his word. We know that God will cause everything to work together for good, which brings me to my next thought. God's promise is all-inclusive. In other words, God will take every circumstance. Yeah, you heard me. Every circumstance. Our pain, even our wrong choices. Think about that. Even when we disobey God, if we are repentant and we focus on putting god first he'll even take our wrong choices and turn them around for good not only for him but also for us he'll take our pain he'll take our loss and he'll turn it around for good he'll work it together these elements that are on their own are bad and worthless and have no value and he'll bring them together to create something beautiful and good in our lives. Have you ever been to an all-inclusive resort? You know, Jen and I, um, many years ago, about 10 years ago, went to a resort in Mexico that was all-inclusive. And really, honestly, it was the best. You, You pay a flat rate for your stay and you get your hotel room and then you can eat all that you want, anything that you want at any of the restaurants on the property for free. Now, that means every meal, every drink, every dessert, everything is absolutely free and on the house. Now, trust me, you pay for it. Like I paid for it on the front end, but while you're there, it was kind of nice. You could have literally steak for every meal if you want to. And it's the same way with God, that he'll take everything in our life all of our choices, good and bad, and he'll turn them around for good. But trust me, it's not free. God paid for it on the front end. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. We just got done celebrating Easter, which was celebrating Jesus dying on the cross on Friday and then raising to life and being resurrected on Sunday, which means that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. It means this, because of Jesus, death can be turned to life, fear can be turned to faith, loss can be overwhelmed in love, and our lives can be redeemed. He takes everything and turns it for good. But listen, it costs him everything. There was a price on the front end. The perfect God became broken to heal our brokenness. You know, there's no part of your life or my life that God cannot redeem and bring goodness to that area of our life. You know, Another thing that we must realize, though, is that God's promise, it's conditional. In other words, it's not automatic. Like, good won't automatically come to your circumstances. Good won't automatically be on the backside of this crisis. It is a condition. There's something that we must do. There's something that we must believe. So going back to Romans 8.28, let's take a moment and read it again and see what that condition is. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those, listen, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What does that mean? It means if you want good on the backside of this crisis, if you want God to take and bring everything that's happened in your life, everything that you've done and turn it around for good, it means you must put Jesus first in your life. There's a condition there. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is quoted as saying this, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and with all your mind This is the first and great commandment. In other words, you have to love God and give him control of your entire life if you want him to bring good out of the bad. Now, God can't bring good into your brokenness if you don't give him permission to do so. In fact, Jesus in the book of John was quoted as saying this, if you love me, obey my commandments. Love is more than just a word, love is an action. If we really love Jesus, that means that we obey what he says. So in short, if you make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life and you live for him, then God will bring goodness out of all of your circumstances. He will create beauty out of your brokenness. If you give God control of your life, he will fix your life. Doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that life will be perfect because we live in a hopelessly broken world, but it means this that whatever bad happened to us, God will turn it around for good. I've been focusing lately a lot on this idea of control during the crisis because most of us have lost control. We we find ourselves in a place where we don't have as much quote unquote control as we thought we once had. And it's super hard for some of us that are control freaks, right? You know, maybe you've lost control of your income. Maybe you've lost control of your freedom to go wherever you want to go and hang out wherever you want to go, or freedom to go to your favorite restaurant. Maybe you've lost control of your kids as you're trying to homeschool them. Well, here's a secret, and I, I want you to listen real closely. Here's the secret. You never really had control of those things in the first place. You hear that? You never had control. The only thing that you and I can control is our choice. We cannot control our circumstances. We can influence our circumstances, but we cannot control our circumstances. The only thing you and I can control is the choice of our will. So you have the choice to allow God to have control of your life and have him bring good out of the bad, or you can try to do it on your own. You hear that? That's our control. We either allow God to have control. In other words, we relinquish control. We either allow him to have control and then he brings good out of our bad or we can try to do it on our own. You see, giving God control means this, we make him Lord, there's the Bible word, Lord, L-O-R-D. It means ruler over all. You see, you give Jesus what you can control and then you trust him with what you cannot control. And the only way that good can come out of this hopelessly broken world, out of even this crisis in this season, is by giving God control. In fact, by giving Jesus control, he even makes you good. Not just your circumstances, but actually makes you good. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote, he said this, The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. You see, when we give God control, he actually, his love begins to bring goodness to our lives, makes us good. We become better people. In fact, the Bible even says we get a new life. So all you have to do if you want to give God control is to pray a prayer making Jesus the Lord or the leader and the forgiver of your life. Say, well, how do I do that? Well, today, I'm gonna actually put a prayer up on the screen. And if you have never given Jesus control, if you've never made him the leader and the forgiver of your life, then I invite you to do that right now where you're at, in your living room, watching on your smart device, God is with you and he's listening to you right now. And by the way, he loves you with an unconditional love. So you can pray a prayer just like this, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you control. I ask for forgiveness for all my sin and wrong choices. Come into my life and turn it around for good. Thank you for your unconditional love, amen. You see, if you read that prayer, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, guess what, that was the most important life-changing prayer that you have ever prayed. In fact, now what the Bible says is that you are part of the family of God, that your sin is forgiven, that someday heaven will be your home. And and if you prayed that prayer, let us know about it because we wanna come alongside of you as a church and we wanna help you grow in your faith in Jesus. That was an amazing moment for many of you. And I just wanna say congratulations on having a new life in Jesus Christ. You know, as we close today, there are some of you that are anxiously awaiting to get to the other side of this struggle. I mean, you just cannot wait to get through the crisis. And I'll be honest with you, I'm there with you. I don't like this season. I want to get through it as quickly as we can. But you're asking yourself this, you're asking yourself, are we there yet? You know, I might be asking God, God, are we are we done? This is taking forever. Well, there's a church family at City First that has been a part of our church for many, many years. In fact, Nick and Candace Camardo have been a part of this church all the way dating back to like the late 90s. Candace works on staff at our Spring Creek location in a very important role. And Nick, her husband, works at Collins Aerospace here in Rockford and is also a part of the Illinois Army National Guard. And he's served our country for 17 years and he's already done two tours to Afghanistan serving our nation. Well, on December of 2018, Nick received news that at some point in 2019, he might be deployed again for a third tour to Afghanistan. And this tour would probably take 12 months. This was absolutely disheartening news as Nick now has two amazing boys and his wife that is uh, full-time here at City First in a very key role. And so they began to pray. They're like, God, if there's any way... That, that, that Nick and, and the other service individuals that are a part of his group did not have to go. God, if there's any way, can you, can you change the mind of the leaders? Can you redirect it? Can you keep them home? Well, they prayed and prayed, but one day Nick got his orders and he found himself on a plane heading overseas to Afghanistan. It had been very hard during this season. In fact, it was hard to say goodbye, and once he landed there and was serving on that military base, it was difficult. In fact, to have a relationship long distance was hard. The boys missed their dad. There were all kinds of challenges. There was lots of praying for protection, but guess what? This past Sunday night, something amazing happened that not only Nick, but many individuals that are serving our nation from that base were allowed to come home early after nine months. They didn't have to stay all 12. And so Nick landed at O'Hare on Sunday afternoon. And as he arrived in Rockford, There was a police escort waiting for him right at the highway there to escort him into his neighborhood and to his house. And when he was driving into the neighborhood with a police escort, neighbors stood in their yards with flags, honking their horns if they were in their cars, and they were cheering as a military hero came home. Family gathered together, and it was a time of celebration. I want to show you what it was like. Watch this. Major Nick Camardo of the U.S. Army came back to his home in Loves Park after being deployed for nine months. Nick got to see his wife and two kids. Not only was there a police escort, but the neighborhood also came out to cheer for him. His family says they are so excited to have him back home. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. For purple mountain majesties above night. Jen and I were so happy for Nick and for the boys and for Candace that they were back together again. So what is my point in all of this? Why do I even bring this up? Well, Nick and Candace, they'll tell you this. They will tell you that this last year has been full of times of difficulty, full of times of of hardship. In fact, there was even confusion and there were times that we were wondering, God, are you answering these prayers? You know, there are moments that Nick and the other servicemen and women on that base, they were in literal danger for their lives. And and you know what? There are other times that, that both Nick and Candace had to work really hard to stay connected because they were thousands and thousands of miles apart. But guess what? During this season, God was answering prayers. And Nick and the others came home safely. And God was working in the background when they didn't even see it. You know what he was doing? He was taking the broken pieces of the situation and he was creating a work of art. In fact, both Nick and Candace will tell you that God did a deep work in them over these last nine months that wouldn't have happened if Nick hadn't been deployed overseas. Now they'll also tell you they wouldn't want to go back and live it over again but God has brought good out of this situation. In other words, on the other side, the title of my message today, on the other side, God has brought good and beauty out of this situation. I have a question for each and every one of you. The question is this, on the other side of this crisis, who will you be? On the other side of the crisis, who are you gonna be? Well tell you this, if you give Jesus full control and you trust him at his word with every single part of your life, he is going to create good on the other side.